Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to It's Just a Talk. My name is Mauricio. I'm your host. And It's Just a Talk is where we talk a little truth, talk a little tea, and always talk some shit. Welcome to episode 002, 002. If you are, if you listen to 001 and you're back to listen to 002, I'm happy that I said that I'm crazy and stupid and I just allowed you to want to listen more. If you didn't listen to episode 001 and you're just now listening to episode 002, then welcome and Let's get this party going. All right, all right, all right. So we're going to go ahead and get this podcast going with a little recap of Mi Semana. I like to say Mi Semana because it's very, like, similar to Mi Familia, which is, like, one of my favorite Latina movies, Latino, Latinx movies. If you've never watched Mi Familia, you need to watch it. It's, like, it has everything. It has drama. It has comedy. It has Edward James Olmos. So, you know, it's Latino enough because Edward James Olmos needs to be on all Latino movies. Um, so, Mi Semana. How was your Semana? So, for those of you that follow me on social media, you are aware of how kind of my, my Semana went. I actually spent most of my weekend and week in Washington, D.C., so not in Wokeland. Um, and... I went for the for CHCI, the uh, Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute. Um, I was flown there by Lee, which is the Leadership in Educational Equity, which is an alumni-created um, group that was created by alumni of Teach for America. So the teachers uh, are able to, when they leave the classroom and want to go into policy, they have an, e- an easier way to get into policy. Uh, so a bitch was lucky because, you know, a bitch is broke. And Lee was able to fly me there and get the hotel. Bitch was staying at nice embassy suites. I was feeling my oats. I was like, yes, I have arrived, Washington, D.C. Um, it was an amazing experience. Um, I met my true idol of all time, um, my person that I look up to, uh, Ms. Dolores Huerta was there, and I got to meet her, and I have a, I got to have a small conversation with her. Uh, I'm pretty sure I probably stuttered because I was so nervous. Um, I went up to her, and I was like, oh, my God, Dolores, oh, my God, I teach about you to my students, and you're my idol, and I used to tell them how, like, you were, like, the badass woman that, like, was behind the movement, and she was like, oh, gracias, mijo, and then I was like, oh, my God, can I please take a picture with you, and I'm sure that, like, she has everybody freaking out, so she was probably, like, knows the MO, she was probably in her head, she was like, calm them down, take a picture, keep walking, and, but then I stopped her, and I had to, I had to tell her that one of my friends, Damaris, which is actually friends with um, my best friend's husband, um, Rod, told me the story that when she met her years ago, when she used to teach in D.C., and Dolores Huerta ended up staying up with her because whoever was flying her to D.C. to, like, speak, like, forgot to pick her up. Like, how do you forget to pick up Dolores Huerta from the airport? So I was like, hey, I was like, Damaris said hola. And then she's like, oh, did Damaris move to Oakland? And I was like, no, 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 she still lives in L.A. She's like, dile a mi hija que le digo hola. And then she gave me another hug, and I was like, yes, 
bitch. I got the it. Woo-hoo. Um, I met a lot of amazing people. Met um, the former uh, Secretary of Housing, uh, one of the Castro brothers. I met the other Castro brother, um, which is a set, who's, who's uh, a congressman. I mean, met the... Uh, it was... It was such an empowering experience to, like, be around all these other, like, Latinos that are leaders in the community and that are, are, are want to just make a, a complete change for not only educational um, policy, but uh, public policy in, in, in general. I got my networking in, and people were like, ooh, you're good at this. And I was like, no, girl, I'm just good at talking. <laughs> so I spent, I was there till, like, Wednesday night, um... I got to, like, just hang out with other really badass uh, Latinx people um, that Lee brought together and then all the different people from CHCI that I know. I was able to see, like, my friend Brian. I was able to see, um, like, my brother Jaden. Like, all these people that have done CHCI, uh, either a fellowship or, like, an internship. Um, It was pretty amazing to just be around all of them, um, and empowering, came back, and I was like, bitch, a bitch gotta make moves, and I already started applications and everything for fellowship, so that, you know, I don't gotta be recording in this closet forever, I can hopefully in a year or so be recording from, straight from Washington, D.C., where the, well, I mean, no magic is happening right now, but, you know, where the resistance is at, um, all right, so go, we're gonna go ahead and I'm going to move on to, uh, I, I figured that a lot of y'all might not know me really well, and I want to give y'all a, a space to get to know your host a little more. So I found this um, template for the best 21 questions to ask on a date. And I was like, I'm not on a date, but technically, if you're listening to me, we're on a date, y'all. So you owe me drinks. I'm um, just kidding. No, you don't owe me drinks. <laughs> so um, I'll start with some of the questions. I, I've Figure it out, answer probably four to five a day, um, and then you can get to know me better as we listen, as we listen to 003, 004, 005, 006, and then we'll do something special for 007. Dun, 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 dun. I'm sure that's not the song, but I always get things wrong, which, you know, it adds to my charm. Um, all right, so the first question says, what do most people think about you? That is absolutely not true. Um, I really want to say that people think I'm straight, but people that know me know that that's a lie because, and nobody know think that I'm straight not anymore. I mean, maybe when I was like in high school. Uh, something that people think about me that is absolutely not true. I would say that people, oh, I know, people usually think that I have, like, endless amount of energy. Like, my energy never ends. Like, I have, like, Red Bull, like, flowing through my vein. Not true. A bitch get tired. Um, And this is why don't wake me up early on the weekends. Do not. I had to wake up really early today for a video conference with my uh, Chicano Youth Leadership Conference staff. Um, we had a video conference because we have a, 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 a conference coming up in October. And I'll probably be podcasting from it one of the nights. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, and I was not happy. I still went back and napped after that. Uh, so a bitch needs to recharge, Okay. Uh, okay, another question. Do you think the convenience of technology is worth the loss of privacy that comes with it? Hmm. I would say that because of technology and social media, we're allowed to be connected to each other a lot more than we were 
before. And that's something that I was talking to one of my uh, best friends in uh, L.A. Um, and he was talking about how, like, he feels like when he went off social media, like, he didn't really know what was going on in people's lives. And he had to realize that he had to, like, be on social media actively just to, like, know what people were going through in their lives, but also for people to know how they were doing personally. Um, it, it's gotten really weird where, like, we don't call each other anymore. And if we do, or if we FaceTime, um, and by the way, I love FaceTime. So if you have my number, FaceTime me often. Um, I love it. Um so, yeah, so I think it is worth it. Uh, all right, this will be my last question I, I answer. Is it okay to sacrifice one life to save ten? If you said yes, would you change the answer if the one life was a friend's life or if the ten were strangers? If no, why not? Oh, Lord. Um, I feel like this is one of those questions that are asked, like, in moral, like, codes. Like, oh, if a train is coming at five children and you have the chance to derail the train to run over on one child and save the five children, what would you do? Um, I think I answered one of those questions when I was applying for a job. Um, I'm pretty sure I was like, children? I don't want any children to die. <laughs> Why won't someone please think of the children? Um, but I would say, ooh, to save 10, I'm pretty sure if they're a friend of mine, I'm pretty sure that they wouldn't mind if I sacrificed them to save 10. I mean, all my friends are really like, not selfish people, so I'm sure they'd be, like, selfless and be like, no, Maori, let them take me. Save the ten children. Um, yeah, so I think I would sacrifice one person to save ten. What would you do? Go ahead and uh, feel free to answer those questions that I just answered. Uh, DM me uh, on all my social medias at It's Just A Talk. That I'd that's at It's Just a Talk, whether it be on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, wherever else you might find me. Go ahead and answer those questions. All right. Welcome back to It's Just a Talk, the podcast where we talk a little tea, talk a little truth, and always talk some shit. We've reached our first segment of the podcast, our question of the week. So I had a lot of questions um, come into my social media this week, um, and one of the main ones that really uh, just did something to me, and I really wanted to like just discuss it, was somebody asked, um, how does colorism show up in the Latinx community? Yes, girl. We going there. We're going deep. Um, this was really important to me because it was something that we were talking. They came up at um, the conference this weekend. Uh, the first day that we were there was just the Lee members. They were there. Those thirty of us, um, badass people, by the way. Shout out to all the Lee members that were there at um, this weekend at CHCI. Y'all are the baddest people I ever met, um, y'all inspire me, um, you know, Chicago, Miami, uh, D.C., 
East Coast, all of y'all, y'all inspire me. To my LA Compton caucus, y'all know it's real. Um, anyway, so we started talking about this because. Um, we were talking about different monolithic experiences within the Latino community and how sometimes uh, people who are not Latino and even people who are Latino will sometimes um, encompass the Latino experiences all the same. Uh, especially people that are not Latino, they feel like we're all the same. And I'm like, no, girl, we ain't. Um, and there's not just different monolithic experiences when it comes to uh, where we're from. Like, uh, the Mexican Latino experience is very different than the Honduran, Honduran um, Mexican experience. It's very different than the Puerto Rican uh, Latino experience. Um, but then, uh, on top of that, I, I brought that something up, and I was like, I, I really want to just bring up the point that you know, we keep talking about nationalities and how our Latino experience is very different within nationalities, which I'm not taking away from, and it totally is very different experience within nationalities. But also, it's it's very different um, for people of different skin colors. So, uh, and this is all because of colorism. Whether you're you're white passing a white passing Latino, whether you're more indigenous looking, or whether you're an Afro Latino, uh, whether you're a Latino from Latin America that might be uh, more Asian looking, or, or or whichever the the different experiences might be, um, your experience as a Latino, it's not only different in, because of your nationality, but it's also different because of your skin color. And we started talking about colorism and how colorism shows in our communities. Um, I, I brought up an example uh, that I went to Mexico City um, I went to El DF. They don't. They no longer call it El DF. They call it CDMX. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, CDMX. Um, and all the stores had like all these like bleaching, like blanqueadores. Blanqueadores uh, are like cremas or like creams to like that people put on to like basically like whiten themselves. Um, I know this is big in like d- in different like, communities where colonizers have colonized us, but Latin America is very huge in Latin America. It's one of the big reasons why, like, um, a lot of times people don't, like, Dominican Republic people don't want to associate themselves with, like, people from Haiti, from Haiti, I'm sorry, uh, have a horrible accent. You already, you would learn. Um, Because of, like, the colorism. I know uh, most recently I was listening to one of my other favorite podcasts, uh, Podcasts of Color, and the homegirl, um, John, was talking about how in the Filipino community it's also very prevalent to, like, have blanqueadores. Um, And so I was talking about that, and uh, I talked about my own experience as a Latino, as a dark-skinned Latino, and how it was very hard for me to grow up. A lot of times, uh, our parents try to normalize our our skin color um, by giving us nicknames, and they don't really... um, are aware that by doing that, they, they are imprinting us with this, um, I guess, label. Uh, growing up, I was always Prieto or Negrito or um, Blackie. Um, and, and I had a lot of experiences within my own uh, family that were really hard. Um, I remember, um, just for example, uh, growing up, 
I didn't really meet my grandparents from my mom's side because they both passed away before I was born. I didn't meet my dad from my dad's side uh, because he passed away before I was born, too. Um, I only met my mom, my dad's mom. Um, and growing up, it was really interesting. Um, so I wasn't allowed to call her abuela. I had to call her by her name. I had to call her, I'm not going to say her name, but I had to call her by her name um, because uh, she always said que ya no tenía nietos negritos. Uh, or she was really, um, she was really, like, convinced that all her grandchildren have this one mole on their face. Um, and if we don't have that mole, lunar, then we're not her grandchildren. Uh, so I grew up believing that, that there was something wrong with my skin color. I grew up uh, believing that I, w I wanted to be lighter um, and that being dark skin was, was not seen as positively. Um, it, even in Latin American TV and novelas and stuff, the good people, the protagonists, are always light-skinned Latinos and the antagonists the the help um, the evil ones are always the dark-skinned ones so growing up seeing that really um, had a toll on me uh, to believe that maybe my skin color wasn't good um, of course my mom always tried to really made me embrace and wanted me to really uh, be happy that I was dark-skinned. She always said that I might not look like the family, but that I looked a lot like my grandpa. And because my, my, my abuelito, which I have his middle name, Miguel, um, he was a, a dark-skinned, very beautiful man and had a great heart. Um, and, and I had to just hold on to that, that I looked like my ancestors. Now that I'm older, I... I'm actually really happy that I am dark-skinned. Like, I am 100% so content that, to know that I look so much more uh, like my ancestors than m most of my family does because they look like little hueritos or just lighter skin. Um, and I have that connection con nuestros ancestros, uh, when are my indigenous ancestors, that I look a lot like them. Um, so yeah, so that was the question of the week. How do you, how does colorism show up in the Latinx community? I'm sure there's many other things that I did not touch on, um, did not go into Afro-Latinidad, which is something that I've had arguments with people and tell me that it's not real. And, uh, obviously no longer in my life, because I'm like, I, I don't need this negativity in my life. Goodbye. Go back to, uh, the, the Southeast. Um, but yeah, so if you want to go ahead and tell me your thoughts on how colorism shows up in Latinidad or in Latinx communities or your own experiences, I would love to hear that. Go ahead and um, hit me up on my social media. That at it's just a talk at it's just a talk all together, not separate, no dots or underscores. Um, and my Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. And with that, we're gonna go ahead and move on to our next segment, the person of the week. I 
right, all right, all right. Now, our next segment is our person of color of the week or our queer excellence of the week. This week, I wanted to give to another amazing woman um, the, per- the, the word of person of color excellence of the week. This week is going to go to Matsi Irono, the Hawaii, the senator from Hawaii. And the reason why I want to give it to this badass woman is because she just did something at one of the Brett Kavanaugh's hearings. And if you did not hear who Brett Kavanaugh is on episode 001, Brett Kavanaugh is the nominee that uh, Donald Trump nominated to take over the Supreme Court. He is very, not to take over the whole thing, but to be on it. <laughs> that sounded like he was going to take over the whole shit. No, 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 no. <laughs> to be on it. Um, he just had his last hearing, and Matsi Irono, this badass woman, she's such a chingona-ass fuck. Um, she is uh, the senator of Hawaii. Uh, she became senator in 2013, so she assumed office in January 3rd, 2013. Um, and, I mean... The reason why she's a badass woman is because, here's the thing. So the Democrats need two Republicans to vote no on Kavanaugh in order for his nomination to fail and for him not to get appointed to the Supreme Court. And Matsi Hirono knew exactly what she was doing. On one of the hearings, Matsi is started um, just grilling Kavanaugh on an article that Kavanaugh had written in the 1990s. So in the 1990s, Brett Kavanaugh wrote this article that said that um, he did not believe the Native Native Hawaiians should be treated or given the the same rights as indigenous people in the United States. Basically saying the Native Hawaiians were not indigenous people and did not deserve the right of, like, of just all the rights that indigenous people get. Um, and so it was very controversial. He did this in the 90s. Obviously, this pendejo did not, did not ever foresee that someone was going to nominate him to be in the Supreme Court. Um, and she just started grilling on him. She started reading parts of the article. She started just, like, saying how she did not appreciate this as a Hawaiian, as a native Hawaiian, as a representative of, of the indigenous people of Hawaii. She did not appreciate that he believes this and that someone going to the Supreme Court who believes this scares her because that could very well mean that all the battles that the indigenous people in Hawaii for their land are currently battling with like corporate America, with capitalist America, would have would lose these battles because as part of the Supreme Court, if he doesn't believe that Hawaiian, the Native Hawaiians are indigenous people, then they wouldn't deserve the same rights. She just started grilling him about it, and then out of nowhere, it all made sense why she was doing this. So, like I said before, in order for him to not get um, appointed to the Supreme Court, the Democrats need at least two uh, Republicans to say no to him. And so she was 
super smart because uh, there's two Republican senators that are pro-choice. Um, and one of them is Lisa Murkowski, who is a Republican senator in Alaska. So Murkowski, uh, she was basically elected by the Native people in Alaska. She was a write-in. She did not make the deadline. And then she then campaigned for people to write her in into the valley. She then won. In 2002, she won to be the senator. So, Murkowski owes the native people of Alaska her basically winning. So then, Matsi Irono knows this, and then she flipped it around and then says... I when she was as she was talking about the native Hawaiian people, she then flips it and says, I also am scared to what my brothers and sisters in Alaska, the native Alaskan people who have been classified as indigenous people for so long, think about this when they realize that if you don't think the native Hawaiian people are indigenous people, then that must mean that you also don't think the native Alaskan people are also indigenous people and deserve the same rights as indigenous people. This concerns me, and this is definitely something that my fellow Senator Murkowski should look into as the indigenous people of Alaska helped her get elected. When that happens, bitch, like, my wig was snatched like, no wig, no panties, like, nada, se me fue todo. I was like, damn, like, Matt's Irono, you are my person of color, of excellence of the week, because you're a badass bitch, and you knew exactly what you were doing, and your chingona ass knew that you needed to sway at least one Republican, and you knew that by doing this, and that Morkowski owes the native people of Alaska her being elected, you knew that this was going to help you. So congratulations, Matsu Irono. You're a chingona. All right, we're going to go ahead and move on to our next segment, Today in the Country. I'll see you there. All right, all right, all right. With that, we move on with In Today in the Country. The first thing we're going to talk about today in the country, and it should be obvious because if you live in the East Coast, this has definitely happened to you in the country. It almost made me not get to the West Coast, which is the Hurricane Florence. Uh, first, when I heard it was Hurricane Florence, I thought it was Hurricane Florence and the machine. Um, I, I saw a meme that somebody made a joke about it. And it's like this video of like Florence from the machine, like Florence Welch. She's like singing in like all this wind. And they're like, oh no, Hurricane Florence is coming. <laughs> but no, it is not Hurricane Florence in the machine. It's an actual hurricane. Uh, it's been hitting the Carolinas. Uh, so, all my listeners, my friends in North and South Carolina, I hope you have evacuated. I hope you're safe. Uh, I have some friends that are going to Chapel Hill there. So, Louise, be safe. Um, so, the reason why I bring this up is because not because it's not because it's. 
not a horrible thing that's happening is because this hurricane is one of the worst that has been coming, right? And and the last hurricane that happened was one of the worst that happened then, and so on and so on. And so the, the weather's getting worse and worse. Uh, we notice it. California's getting hotter and hotter. Uh, one of my friends uh, posted something that he was in California and it was 113 degrees, which I was like, bitch, no. Adios, I will I will stay in the bay. But these hurricanes are getting even stronger. And the last time the hurricane happened in Puerto Rico, um, this pendejo in the White House, uh, he tweeted something before Hurricane Florence was coming. And he said, oh, you know, FEMA and the White House is ready for Hurricane Florence, uh, you know, based on the great job that we did in Puerto Rico. We see no problem. Based on the great job that we did in Puerto Rico, he is definitely a pendejo. Like, more than 3,000 people have been reported dead from the hurricane in Puerto Rico. Because the the lack of response from the White House, the, the lack of response from FEMA, how slow the response was, and how they were pushed aside. Again, this happened in the Virgin Islands, too, which, if you did not know, Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands are both territories of the United States. And it lends itself to then me question. If Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, had any votes that counted towards the presidency, towards if they had senators that would be representing them, would the response have been as low as it was? If Trump knew that he had votes there, would he have acted faster? I like to say that, yes, he would have acted faster, uh, and that's just me being an optimist, but I could very sure have believed that this pendejo would have thought things, anything he does is, you know, he thinks he's the old, la última cococona del desierto, I mean, my mom used to say that, pero en, en realidad, like, he's such a stupid ass, and... Days before Hurricane Florence hit the North Carolinas, which I believe hit already, at least by the time this airs, there'll probably be more things that have happened. Um, there was a report that came out. One of the senators, the senator from Oregon, um, I can't think of his name right now, but he's a senator from Oregon. He basically discovered that as all this is happening, more than $15 million has been taken out away from the FEMA money. Like, FEMA needs this money, especially during hurricane season, because they don't the hurricanes are getting worse and worse, and they don't know what the damage is going to be. FEMA is basically the organization that goes into these places that have been like affected by natural disasters, and they help people. They set up shelters. They set up. Um, they pay people back. They make sure that people are equipped to go back home. And for you to take out money from the FEMA account and. Get this, the president and the administration, I hate calling him the president, Trump and the administration took this money away from the FEMA budget to funnel the money to the south where the concentration camps are happening. I know that he doesn't want to call them concentration camps and they're, they're just, you know, placement camps for immigrants and for people coming from other, from basically from the south because it's not even people coming from other countries. And that's a whole other discussion. But he's funneling money that 
FEMA needs to be able to help Americans during the during these harsh times that are happening, especially during hurricane season, and he's putting into these concentration camps, which he deems more important. So, if you want to read more about that, I'm sure if you just Google Trump administration takes money from FEMA um, budget, you will find everything. Uh, once again, I want to, you know, send my prayers to all the people being affected by the hurricane. I truly, truly hope that it's nothing the way that it was in Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands and that this pendejo really does act. Uh, moving on... Um, so I, just, I was watching Rachel Maddow a couple of days ago, and there was a couple of people talking about the possibility of the Democrats taking over the House this November when votes happen. Um, they were talking about how the last time that this uh what happened was during the Clinton administration, after the whole Monica Lewinsky thing happened, for my more younger uh, listeners, uh, in the early 90s, uh, Bill Clinton was accused to have sexual relations with an intern called Monica Lewinsky. Um, And there's a famous quote that says that Clinton said during his hearing, uh, and he said, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Anyways, during that time, because the Democrats were hit really hard because of of a scandal, um, and he was almost impeached for that, there's many other things that this pendejo currently in office should be impeached, but because... The House is being controlled by Republicans. Impeachment has not been happening. Uh, But that might change. The last time that something like this happened was during the Clinton administration where people didn't even see the Republicans taking over the House until the day of the election when numbers started coming in and all the Democrats were really... um, they were really sure that they were going to win. And then at the, on election day, they started seeing all these Republicans just beating them and taking over. Um, and this is that was the day of the election. It, something as soon as now, you know, months before the, not even months, it's like a month and a half before the election, which you're not registered to vote. I'm also going to post a link on my social media for you to be registered to vote. It is very important for you registered to vote. Um, Voto Latino actually created one of the easiest apps for you to vote. All you have to do is you scan your ID, uh, your California ID or whatever ID you have, not just California, but like your ID or driver's license, and it helps you register. Anyways, I'll go go ahead and post that. But people are calling it a shipwreck as soon as now that the Republicans are going to lose power and the Democrats are going to take over. Now, why is this important? This is important because if the Democrats take over, then we can go ahead and move on, move forward with impeachment. We're impeaching this pendejo hijo de su bendita madre. I don't even know his his mother, but, you know, she must have done something wrong for this pendejo to grow up like this. Um, And... This means that if the Democrats take over, we can go ahead and can, and move on with impeachment. We, if Kavanaugh does not get nominated, if we do get those two Republicans that we want to get, then um, we can control the next nominees that this pendejo or the next pendejo. Because, you know, if he gets impeached, then we're going to get the other pendejo. And the other pendejo scares me more than this pendejo. Because Trump... He's just stupid. And sometimes I feel like he doesn't know what he's doing. But his vice president, he's just evil. 
He's a person that said that uh, conversion therapy is the way that we should go for homosexuals. So he scares me, okay? Anyways, but if the Democrats take over, then he's not going to scare me that much um, because things are going to get shut down when he tries to move them through. Um, Another thing that's happening is that for the very first time in history, more women are running for these uh, Senate and Congress positions than ever before, which is it is amazing, and it's a true testament of what this pendejo being in office has done. It's just lit a fire in our asses to want to get involved. It lit a fire in my ass to want to get involved in policy. Uh, if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't mean ever ever thought about getting involved. So I guess some good is coming from this pendejo being in office. Uh, So remember, if you're not registered to vote, go ahead. If you don't have the right address, make sure you have the right address. I'll put the link for you to go ahead and do an easy register on my social medias. All right, and with that, we're going to go ahead and um, just since we're we're leading right into uh, impeachment. So impeachment is definitely knocking on his door. It's the pendejo. It's coming, boo. Like, you're going to get impeached soon. Um, and at first, he didn't care. Um, there, there was a, a video that I saw of a rally of him months ago. And he was, which, by the way, he's him still having rallies to boost his ego is a whole other thing. But he was ha- he had a rally and he was talking shit about oh the Democrats think they can take over and they think they can impeach me who cares blah 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 and then there was a video of him last month and now ahora ya tiene miedo okay ahora ya tiene miedo porque then he was saying oh if I ever get impeached it's because you didn't go out to vote because you let the Democrats take over so go ahead and go out to vote you know make sure that we keep it Republican and that just shows how well he's finally realizing that impeachment is knocking mm ahí viene that shit is knocking way so remember vote Make sure that, you know, we get the right candidates in office that are going to keep this pendejo accountable for the shit that he's doing. Because if you're not angry about what's happening in the country, you have not been listening. It's that time of the podcast. Our next segment is Hoy en el Mundo. And Hoy en el Mundo today is a segment to where I would like to just talk about different things happening in el mundo. A lot of times, as people in the United States, Americans, uh, we forget that there's other countries that are going through much worse things, I might say, than we are. Um, I mean, having Trump in office is a pretty awful thing. But other countries are going... Th- through even worse things. Uh, The first thing that we're going to talk about is this water crisis happening around the world. Um, I watched a video on Netflix a couple days ago. Um, There's this show called Explained, uh, which you should all watch. I I love it. It's like, I think it's like 30-minute episodes each week. 
And they explain different things. The last uh, episode was explaining the water crisis, which I was completely and utterly unaware of um, that we even had a water crisis. I know that we've had like a drought in California, but they didn't really know that this was like a world issue. Um, and you must be thinking, oh, the world is like more than two thirds of the word of the world is water. Like, what are you talking about? And this is where the misconception comes. Uh, the misconception is that because our world is completely of mostly water, then we there's no way that we can have a water crisis. Um, but if you tell, you know, countries like Cape Cod most recently that almost had their day zero, meaning their day zero where all water was going to get turned off um, because they weren't going to have any more running water, then you aren't necessarily thinking that the whole world is created with water. The way that it was explained in the show is that 98% of the water, I mean, 99% of the water in the world is salt water, which uh, you can't drink salt water. Um, and if you do, you probably will die uh, if you drink a lot of it, actually. Because uh, I know a lot of people go to the beach and they're like, wait, I drank some. I didn't die. You're lying, that motherfucker. No, no, no. If you drink enough of it, you'll die. Um, and it's very expensive uh, to take out the salt out of the water to make it safe enough to be drinking water. It's not only expensive, but it's... The fumes that it burns and all that, it's, it's shown to be really harmful to the environment. Uh, not that anything else that we do does not, imp you know, impact the environment. Um, so, out of the 99% of the water in the world that is salt water, there's that 1% that is drinkable water. From that 1%, we need to share with the billions and billions of people in the world. Most of the water is underground, and the drinking water, the fresh water, and that's also very expensive to drill and to get out. So right now, what we've been so that's one percent of the water, and out of that one percent of the water that is drinking water, about eighty percent of the water is underground, which means that we're only sharing about not even twenty percent. It's way less than that actually that we're sharing as drinking water, and we get that water from our surface, which is the easiest to get. So, in a lot of countries that are more advanced in our, like, tap water and all that, we're using that water. And so, uh, when we leave the water running too long, when we are using it for, you know, things that are not productive or not drinking, then it, it can starts we start losing our drinking water as a world. So in the most recent time, there's been 18 countries that have, you know located themselves in a state of crisis, meaning they're running out of water. One of those countries most closest to us is south of the border, which is Mexico. Uh, most recently when I went to Mexico, I was really just did not understand why there was not enough water coming out in the shower. And that's because Mexico is trying to conserve its water. Uh, if you know any history about Mexico... You know that originally Mexico de Efe or Ciudad Mexico was on an, uh, 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 mostly water. It, the, uh, the Aztecs built their pyramids on floating islands, um, and, and it was the most water. When the Spaniards came and they started colonizing, they started building more, and they started draining the lake, and they started getting rid of other water. Uh, and, and it seemed smart at the time, as most of the shit the colonizers do seems smart. Uh, but now they're in a water crisis. Um, and most recently, like I said, Cape Cod is one of the main countries that has gone 
through the worst water crisis ever, but there's 18 different countries that are nearing their day zero. Um, it is uh, calculated that the United States will be one of those countries in the next 10 years. If the, we are not careful with our water, we are going to reach our day zero. And that's really dangerous because... If you haven't noticed, we kind of depend on water. Um, and a human being cannot go more than three days without water, without dying. And so this water crisis is real, which is, brings us to our next point, which has been one of the very big controversies in Mexicali. Mexicali is just south of the border in Mexico. It's close to Ensenada. It's it's by uh uh, yeah, it's close to Tijuana. So right now, there's been so many different riots in Mexicali because Mexicali allowed the Corona company to come into their um, into their city. So Corona company uh, guaranteed they were employed seventy thousand people in Mexicali, and in in return, the the government of Mexico allowed them to unlimited amount of you know use to the Mexicali River. Now, if the make this might sound like, oh, they're just taking water, but if you think about it, Mexicali uses the water that Mexicali uses comes from Colorado. So they had it has to go through Colorado. It has to go through all the different states after Colorado, which may be Arizona, Nevada, California. So it goes through all these states and major cities like Denver, Vegas, Los Angeles, even before before it gets to Mexicali. Mexicali is known for its agriculture. And so people in Mexicali use this water to grow their crops, to sell their crops, to be able to maintain themselves. And now the Corona Company has been giving unlimited draining rights. That means they could drain as much water as they want as to make their Corona products. Uh, and so there's been a big boycott uh, for Constellation Brands um, you know, it's called Mexicale Resiste, and these are brands like But Like, Bex, um, Negra Modelo, Corona Extra, Corona Light, Pacifico, Victoria, Regular Modelo, Modelo Especial Michelada, Budweiser, even Stella or Toys that are being produced there and are taking these people's drinking water, their water to be able to survive, for their crops to survive, for their businesses to survive. And there's been constant activists just going down there. And um, there's this really impactful video of this old lady. She must be, like, I want to say in her 60s. And they show her with, like, like this tubo, like this piping tubo. And she's, like, going at it, like, se está lanzando against the policemen trying to protect. Um, this is very similar to what was happening um, a couple years back in South Dakota when they were just trying to protect their water. And that's exactly what the people in Mexicali are doing during this water crisis the world is going through. Uh, there's there's not enough water for as many people that there is in the world. Um, Mexicali is just trying to protect their water. Um, all right, so moving on to another part of the of the world, we're going to Nigeria, uh, where most recently the minister of Nigeria uh, had to resign because of falsification of uh, documents. So apparently, and I was reading this, in the the minister, her name is Kemi Adeosun. 
And she had to resign for falsifying uh, one of her forms. Uh, this form is called um, the National Youth Service Corps Certificate. So apparently in Nigeria, when uh, people go to college uh, and they graduate, after they graduate, they have to serve somewhere in a different country uh, in Africa for a year. Uh, and this makes their... Um, I guess their degree valid and, and it allows them to see different parts of the world. Um, so Kendi also who lived in the UK until she was 34, uh, said that she had, she was told that she was exempt because she was over 30, uh, when she was running for prime minister, uh, the former investment backer said she was issued with a certificate that she thought was genuine. Um, but an internal investigation showed that it was forged. So, and, uh, they'll soon a resignation follows just months of specu- speculation in the local media about whether her certificate was real or not. The dual Nigerian and British national did not initially comment on the claims, leading to criticism of her opponents. However, in a statement, she said she felt bound to resign after the investigation res- resulted that her t- her certificate was in fact not real or it was. Um, forged. Uh, She tweeted and said, I thank you profusely for the honor and privilege of serving under your inspirational leadership. It's been truly rewarding a rewarding experience to learn from you, the people, and to observe at your close quarters your integrity and sense of duty. And then she attached a letter of resignation. Uh, So these are just things that are happening around the world. Uh, Once again, this was... uh, Hoy en el mundo, today en el mundo, uh, and we'll see you in our next segment, our Let's Talk Shit segment. Talk that shit for me. that shit to me. Hey. All right, all right, all right. This is the part that you all love the most because this is it's just a talk where we talk a little truth, we talk a little tea, but most importantly, we always have some time to talk some shit with your girl, Maori. All right, so let's talk some shit like Rihanna said. This time around, you know, I'm not talking shit about a whole specific group. I'm just, you know, something just happening in my life recently. Uh, so, like I said, I've recently been going from job to job. I'm jumping around, uh, not doing jumping jacks and not a kangaroo. Uh, pero... Was most recently, most recently working at uh, the City Hall of Oakland. I was doing a fellowship called the Urban Leaders Fellowship, which was an amazing fellowship. Uh, definitely helped me get more in tune with uh, policy, how policy works, and how why I want to be there. Uh, Regardless, the fellowship ended. I was up for a position um, to stay in the mayor's office, but the position was not going to start till mid-November. Now, a bitch is broke, and a bitch just got their last paycheck in September. So a bitch needed a job. So I told them that I wasn't going to be able to wait to November. I would love an opportunity later on Um when I'm more stable, but right now I needed to find something that later. So be better. 
uh, my friend Whitney, uh, who works at a middle school here in Oakland. Shout out to Whitney Morrow. Um, she told me about a position that was opening um, at her school. So basically, the vice principal at her school is uh, going on paternity leave because him and his partner are having a baby uh, through a surrogate, and he's taking about five months as paternity leave. Um, and the position, uh, the title is called teacher on special assignment, and I was I'm supposed to come in, uh, do all the responsibilities that the vice principal does without the vice principal title, which I was fine with because I was like, girl, I just need a paycheck, um, and I was supposed to start next Monday. Okay, so I was like. Cool. I know when I'm gonna start. Um, my first paycheck will be October first, and I'll leave. Uh, uh, it will at least be for two weeks of work. So at least help me pay rent and the necessities. I was like, I got a credit card. If emergencies come in the month of October, I'll use that. I was like, I've been tight before. I can be tight again. Um, I mean, I'm always tight, but that's a different story. Hey! <laughs> uh, but, like, I've been doing other things. Like, I signed up for, like, TaskRabbit, signed up for, like, um, DoorDash and um, uh, Postmates. Uh, I've been trying to get back on Lyft just because I know it's going to be really hard in the next month. And I have, you know, I've seen hard before, and I can handle hard. But anyways, so I was talking to the principal. And he told, I was supposed to start on Monday, like I said, and then I hit him up on Thursday, and I was like, hey, I was like, I have not heard back from HR at the district. Um, what's a hold up? Like, I thought we were said we were going to start on Monday. I was, I'm ready to start on Monday. I've been dying on this fun employment. Um, and he was like, let me check. So he texted me on Friday. He actually called me on Friday and told me that, unfortunately, HR is taking longer than they usually do. Um, and that it probably won't start till the week after next week, but for sure in October. And I'm like, really, bitch? Really? Like, my fellowship ended mid-August. Let me put it there. So now I've been, this fun employment is no longer fun. Now now we've reached unemployment levels and I need HR to know that not only do I need a damn job and I need to start getting paid but I need time to spend with the vice principal to really understand what his duties are to really be able to shadow him to really be able to internalize the work that I'm gonna have to be doing because if I start in October he leaves in October so that means that I'm only going to have a couple weeks left with him to really shadow him and understand what it is that he's doing at the school. Because even though I've been working at schools before, every school is different. Every school administration is different. And what one vice principal does at one school might differ to what the other vice principal does at the next school. And I just want to be really prepared to do my best damn job at this school so that, you know, when the vice principal comes back, the thing is, when he comes back, one or two things can happen. Either I do a really great job and they keep me, or I do an R.I. job and they ask me to leave, which would put me back in this position that I'm now. So my ass wants to do a really good job. So my talking shit to you is to those HR people. And I know that I'm not the only HR that takes for fucking ever. So if you work in HR, girl, get your sister and your brother and your next cubicles. Make sure that they get their ass together because some of us are over here just trying to fucking eat. Like, I was already looking at, like, when the food bag comes and shit because I don't know how I'm going to get food next month. Like, I know I'm going to pay rent, but that's about it. And I'm like, you HR needs to hurry your ass up. 
and let me start working. And I, you would think it'd be easy because I already worked for the district for the past two years. I'll, uh, it, it's really about just changing my position name and letting me work. So, girl, OUSDHR, if you're listening to this, get your shit together. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And with that, we're going to go move on to our next segment, La Opinión. All right, all right, all right. This is La Opinión segment where you send me questions via my social media at It's Just A Talk through my Instagram, my Snapchat, my Twitter, my OnlyFans, whatever you may find me. If you find me on somewhere, you send it on me. All right, and um, again, haven't set up an email, but I will. I promise for episode 003, there will be an email available for you to send me the long-ass questions. All right, but today, what I did this week is I asked people on Instagram, because Instagram has that beautiful, um, you know, option where you can ask people to ask you questions. So it was a couple questions that people asked me that I was really, um, I really wanted to answer. So the first one that somebody asked me, um, we're going to call her... Crystal. All right. My, you know, because I believe in the crystals, the crystals in my head. Crystal, crystal, eh, eh, eh. I don't know why I even said that. I don't know. Anyways, regardless. Um, and her question says, how do you focus on building up your confidence after a guy stood you up? Okay. Girl, Crystal, I'm an expert on this. You know, I've been dating since I was 18. And, you know, I just reached that beautiful age of being single, 30, and thriving. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been stood up a couple of times. I'm not going to lie. Um, and it is hard. It's very hard on your self-confidence because you start believing that maybe you got stood up because, you know, it's something about you they didn't like. Or if it's a blind date, maybe you think, damn, they must have saw me and... They didn't like what they saw, so they said goodbye. But what I like to say is, um, a lot of times it's not about it's not about you. It's not at all. It's about them. And so a lot of times the person probably doesn't feel like they're good enough to be dating you. And I definitely have gotten those plenty of times where they're like, oh, like, I just don't know, like, I'm not in the same place that you are in life, and I feel like, you know, like, you're already, like, accomplishing so much, but then a lot of times it's, maybe y'all were not a match, and that's okay. It's okay if you are not a match. A lot of times guys are not fucking honest and they don't don't they want to they don't want to tell you straight up that they're not as interested as you as you are in them and that's okay because that means that if they were in a studio up now they probably would end up being assholes later on in the dating process so you should be thanking him that they stood you up because girl 
that means they're opening that that road up for somebody who is worth it, for somebody who is going to know what they have in front of them and not going to want to let them go. And at the end of the day, you know, I say if you feel like it hurt your self-confidence, then maybe we need to take time and really build our self-confidence. Maybe we shouldn't be dating right now until we are confident enough in ourselves and what we have to offer that no matter if somebody stood to stands us up, we are dating the most sought-out man in the world. At least I am. They call him the Bay. All right, all right, all right. We're going to go ahead and go to our next question. Our next question was asked by... Um, ooh, by my friend Posada. We're going to call him Posada because, you know, that's one of my favorite baseball players. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, Google him. Posada on the Yankees or used to be in the Yankees. I'm sorry, I thought about him because I'm looking at my Yankee jersey. And yes, I am a Yankee fan. I can like the Yankees and the Dodgers. I can like both of them. I just can't like the Dodgers and the Giants. That would be horrible. Anyway, so my friend Posada said, when is the right time to tell your crush or person that you're seeing that you have feelings for them? Ooh. Okay, I have a couple questions for you, Posada. First of all, how long have you been seeing them? So, um, for me, I have this rule. I call it the six-month rule. Um, and my some of my friends would have heard me talk about the six-month rule. So the six-month rule is important to me because in the past, I have known that I usually jump into relationships and um, I wanted to give myself some sort of time in order to be able to understand and to really know that the person that I'm currently seeing is really the person that I want to move on to the next to the next round. You know, it's very American Idol. Like, I'm sorry. You are not moving on to the next round. But if you make the six, if you pass the six month, then girl, you're moving on to the next round. Welcome to the live, to the live shows. <laughs> I'm so stupid. I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. Um, so my six month rule is very simple. So if I start dating somebody or like getting to know them or like going out with them, I try to give myself six months. If if after six months I'm still interested in this person, I'm still sexually attractive to this person, I still want to move on to the next round with this person, then I'm going to go ahead and, and, and we're going to have this conversation. Whether it be like we're going to be exclusive now, or there it be like I want you to be my boyfriend or girlfriend, um, you know, then that's a good time. A lot of the times, these fools don't make the six room because they're trash. Okay, and I'm going to include, well, my, my gay BFF asked me, why are they trash? And girl, I'm going to include two questions in one. If they don't make the six, month, the six months with you, it means that they, they weren't, either you are no longer interested in them, or they no longer have interest in you, so they didn't make it, or they were trash. And so it gives you time to weed out the men that are just, the, that are just there to hit it, to toot it and boot it. You know, I know that's a little old song, but you know, you weed out the men that just wanted to toot it and boot it, or you weed out the men that are not worth it, you know, that you're not really into. And why six months is important is because a lot of times when we start dating someone, we get, like, the feels. Like, we start thinking, we start imagining ourselves, you know, getting married to them and, you know, going on trips with them and we're going to build a life with them. But a lot of times... That's just, you know, our hopeless romantic speaking. And we're not thinking logically. We're thinking with our heart. And I'm not saying that thinking with your heart is not okay. I'm just saying.
saying, we got to add some logic to them. So Posada to you, I say, maybe you want to wait some time. You want to weigh out your options. Because a lot of times, you know, if we just got a relationship or if, you know, we haven't been in a relationship in a while and somebody uh, has interest in us, we let our emotional state talk for us instead of us talking for ourselves. So with that, I'm going to, those are the questions I'm answering for today. If you have any questions, go ahead and um, send me questions that I can answer on La Opinion segment of this podcast of It's Just a Talk at It's Just a Talk on all my social medias, on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. Feel free to message me. And with that, we're going to move on to our very last segment. All right, all right, baby. All right, all right. We reach our last segment of It's Just a Talk, and then episode 002 will be over. Um, and then you can reach over and wait till next week for episode 03, and so on and so on. All right, so this week, uh, something that I want to get off my mente is I want to give a couple of shout-outs, actually, and that's what I'm going to get off my mente. So it's not going to be as um, heavy as last week. So I really want to give a shout-out to uh, a couple birthdays that are happening. I want to give a shout-out to my gemela, Nathan, who his birthday was a couple days ago, and to his husband, Rod, who finally reached 30, bitch, yes! Now, he's not single, 30, and thriving, because they're married, so he would be married, 30, and thriving, Regardless, it's 30 and thriving. So I wanted to give a shout out to him. And I also wanted to go ahead and give a shout out to all the countries, the Latin American countries that are celebrating their Independence Day today, tomorrow, and for the rest of the week. But most especially, I really want to give a shout out to Mi Mexico Lindo y Querido that is going to that is celebrating their Independence Day. Actually, when this um podcast comes out so with that we're going to go ahead and go out and we're going to sing some mexico lindo y querido with my favorite of all time ana gabriel my favorite of my mother's my favorite of me so with ana gabriel we're going to go out of this episode See you in episode 003. Again, go ahead and follow me on my social medias at It's Just A Talk on Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, and whatever social media you might use. And interact with me. Go ahead and ask me any questions. DM me. My DM me is always lonely. So I need your DM. Have a great day. Bye.